This is a special day for a lot of reasons. Thanksgiving season, guests who are here, our music, for which we are always grateful to David and to all of our musicians. Thank you so very much. To folks who call Wake Chapel Church home, it is always good to be together. And this morning, a very special guest representing a ministry that we cherish here at Wake Chapel Church. Have you ever thought about where missionaries stay when they come home on furlough? Probably not very much. We, however, here at Wake Chapel try to remind all of us, all of our hearts, that they have to have a place to stay when they come home. And that isn't always easy. And for a number of years, Silo Missionary Homes has been part of the support and part of the love that we have here at Wake Chapel. Uh, it is very special for the last number of years. I don't remember how many. For the last number of years, we have always had a busload of folks go up there a little before Thanksgiving, spend some time with them, enjoy a meal with them. And uh, that is always a great pleasure, a great joy to the hearts of all who've ever been. And if you haven't seen, they've made some changes since I was there last uh, if you haven't seen the little barbershop that's there, that's just a neat little place. Uh, and, and the chapel has always been, when I get off the bus, that's where I go first. It's just a very special place. Uh, and then the campus, the homes that are there, and they have homes that missionaries use when they come home on furlough. They stay there. And they are comfortable homes. They're nice homes. They are cared for by Silo Missionary Homes, uh, and they are open to the missionaries who come, and it's a, it's a comfortable place for them, a place of respite, uh, a place to recoup. And so we are glad that we can have a part in the ministry of Silo Missionary Homes. Now, uh, I don't believe uh, the couple that I want to mention first has been with us before, Milton and Betty Wilder right here. Uh, thank you. Uh, I don't know whether Milton has the official title or not, but uh, I understand that he is the pastor to Silo Missionary Homes, and uh, he has a, a wealth of background. He has been a pastor, and so uh, that is very fitting. And Milton and Betty, we're delighted to have you folks here. Thank you for bringing those other couple, that other couple with you, too. Larry and Joyce have been here on a number of occasions. It's always a pleasure to have them. Uh, I don't believe things happen by chance. We were speaking with Larry about a date for him to come in uh, the month of November, and uh, it seemed that uh, one or two other dates that we looked at just didn't quite fit. And I am delighted that this Sunday did. This is the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I know Larry is going to remind us of what we need to be doing and thinking today and this week. Joyce, thank you for all you do there. Uh, and Larry, for your leadership and for your direction. And you are, all four of you are welcome here at Wake Chapel. Thank you for being with us this morning. Larry, you come and share what the Lord's put on your heart today, please. God bless you, brother. Well, good morning. I got my schedule. I know what time I'm supposed to be done. I know how all you people are getting to a restaurant on time, so we'll be there. 
I was on a cruise not too long ago that we were given a part of uh, Duck Dynasty. I don't know how many of you guys watch it on TV, but Phil Robertson gave away 300 cruises to pastors and missionaries, first one I was ever on. And he gave us one of these things that was said that you're either snoozing or you're cruising. I like that, so I carry that with me. So when I look around and I'll see this, this means bump your husband, snoozing, snoozing. But uh, we are uh, thankful for the opportunity to be here. What are the gold cards? Did everybody get a gold card? That's to put your checking account number on so I have a copy of it. I told him I wasn't going to say anything about that today. But uh, no, actually, uh, this came in as uh, something that I, I really, really came to my heart and I thought a lot about. You know, in, in the book of Revelation, Chapter 8, it talks about how one day the prayers of the saints will be offered up. And then it'll actually, uh, it'll be a part of a way that we can thank the Lord. And I know that you've already done this once this month, but if you had an opportunity this morning, which you do, to say, Lord Jesus, there's three things that come to my mind that I'm thankful for more than anything else, I want you to write those down. And uh, they don't need to be long. I'm not going to read them. But when we're done, when we're doing our last closing song, we're going to ask all of you to, to send those to the middle. And then I'm going to have the ushers pick them up, and we're going to put them in a bowl down here in the front as a way of giving them back to God and what he's doing. So I think that that's just an, ex- an exciting thing about what the Lord uh, is doing. And we can never thank him enough for what he's going to do. I want to thank you as a church for standing behind us, you know, to be able to step out on faith and do what God calls us to do takes about $1,000 a day to be able to keep the ministry going. Now, one of the things they didn't tell you about Betty, she's the one that does accounts payable. And she's all, I can hear her in the office when she says, I got to talk to Larry. And I know what that means. (laughs) Who do we pay today? But you know what? 23 years, God has been faithful. He's met all the needs, provides homes for 14 houses, are for 14 missionary families and the other things that's going on, and it's just the beginning of what God is going to do. Has missions slowed down? No, missions continues to grow. Maybe we're the ones that are slowing down a little bit. But uh, anyway, what I'd like to talk to you about this morning briefly is three things that control our thankfulness. Now, I don't know how you are, but... Um, we all have routines on things that we do, and and uh, I was thinking about one of the things that I was thankful for this about two weeks ago, and uh, as I've been working on this message, putting it together, uh, I pulled out of my driveway, and I got a pink truck. I might as well tell you. I tell you it's raspberry, but it looks pink. What I forgot was that my wife had parked right behind me, and I had to head for work. It's one of those mornings, you know, when you've had your devotions and everything's going wonderful, and I hit the side of that car. Well, that car is not really my car. It belongs to the mission. And I thought, oh, my land, what am I going to do? i got to go meet Pastor Wilder, who does our men's prayer time in the morning, and try to be happy. So uh, anyway, I looked at that. And, you know, the first thought that hit my mind was that's probably $500 to fix that thing because there's nothing cheap on fixing a car. So anyway, I, I went to work, and I allowed those circumstances to control my day. And what I didn't know was my wife is has my daughter sells Norwax, is that right? They're rags that cost a lot of money. Anyway, (laughs) my wife went out there with some paste and buffed that car, and it took it all out. So ladies, I just thought that was pretty good. And I didn't even realize it until that night when I went home, and then uh, she went ahead and told me that. 
And then I told her afterwards, I said, uh, here I let that control my situation and my life and everything we do. But, you know, in Mark chapter 14, verse 36, and I'm just going to be real brief on these, it talks about Jesus and the fact that when he was praying and they were getting ready to come and get him to be crucified, here is a man that was God, but man, so he knew everything that was going to happen to him. And in verse 35 it says, And he went a little beyond them and fell on the ground and began to pray. And, and if it were possible that the hour might pass him by, and he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, <clears throat> but you will. You know, when, when I read that passage of Scripture, it really hit home to me to realize he was trying to be as honest as he could before God. He had fears. And his fear was he knew what was the next step of the road. Here he'd ask his friends, his disciples, to pray with him, but yet were they willing to be able to stay awake? Three times he went back there and they were sleeping until he finally had to tell them to get up. Or, and But I, I thought about how God is never asking us to do anything beyond what he would be willing to do. But, folks, how many times have we allowed circumstances in our lives to control what we do? This poster that's in front of you, how many dots do you see in front? Well, good, we're all on the same page. For you people, there's a dot in the middle of it. I'm going to talk a little bit about that dot in a minute. But I wanted to read something to you that I've been going through in the last couple of months in my life, and, and I thought if by sharing this would help a little bit. It helped put into perspective about allowing circumstances to control your life. It was October 10, 2011. I was sitting at the bedside of my dad. He had spent his life serving the Lord and always wanted God to use him to teach his children. He and Mom had five boys and four girls. Dad had been in a coma for 12 hours, and the doctor said that he was dying. Here lay a shell of a man whose body was riddled with Parkinson's disease and dementia. A stroke had left him unable to speak and gave him double vision. With tears, I crawled into his bed, and I placed my hands on his hands, and I spent time talking to him about my life and about his. I told him my innermost thoughts and how I loved him. I remember thinking, I don't want this time to pass because I didn't want to have any regrets. So I began by telling my dad, I have done everything I can within me to get the best doctors for you and the medicine, and I'm so sorry I can't do anything else. You see, I'm a fixer. I can usually fix about anything, but my hands were tied and I could not stop this process called dying. After a few minutes, while I had my head cradled in my dad's hands, he spoke for the first time in two years. It's, and, and it was only one word, but it was, oh. Then my mom, who was sitting beside me, said, Larry, your dad's trying to tell you that it's okay, that he understands and he loves you. And with tears running down my face, I suddenly realized that God had answered my prayers. He gave, me, he gave my dad one last opportunity to comfort me, and he left me a special gift. I saw that I had my dad's hands for the first time. When I put my hands on his, they were exactly the same, and I thought I had my dad's hands. Look, Mom, see, I have dad's hands. Dad passed that next afternoon and went on into eternity, leaving behind a legacy for his children to glean from. This past week, after going through medical tests due to the tremors in my right hand, I was given another gift from my dad. Dr. Shaw said, Larry, you have Parkinson's disease. Even though I had suspected it 
that I did. I kept on going to the doctor. I kept from going to the doctor thinking, well, if I didn't go, I wouldn't have it. It's been a roller coaster of emotions in my mind as I raced through the events of my dad's life and went on with Parkinson's, how people would stare at him, how he would drool, how he'd be in a wheelchair and unable to speak. And the thought of not being able to speak is probably one of the hardest things I think about. But in the morning when I read that verse in Matthew 14, 35 through 36, it hit home to me that God was not asking me to do anything beyond what he would do. How I'm not going to allow that circumstance to control and do my life and run what I'm going to do. You know, in that, when we talk about circumstances, we think about the Apostle Paul. And in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, it says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength has made you perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast of my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest in me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in need, in persecution, in distress for God's, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong, not allowing circumstances to control what we do. Worry. It seems like that worry is one of the biggest things that we worry about. My mom's almost 80 years old. I'm 59 years old. And my mother calls me to tell me, now you know it's raining out, make sure you take a coat. I said, Mom, I'm 59 years old. I think I should be able to figure that out. We put things on Facebook about where Joyce and I have been tiling the floor in, my, in our living room. And she said, does Larry have knee pads, not about, Joyce, what are you doing down there on the floor? It's always, she's always worried about me. But she worries all the time. And there's probably no better explanation about that than Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34, where the Lord talks to us about not to worry about tomorrow. And what I was going to show you on this poster um, is a fact. Actually, Milton said I had to give credit to where credit due. A missionary, Mark, showed me how to do this last week, so... I want to make sure I gave him credit for that. But in the thought about worrying and where we are in our life is so important, moms and dads, I say this in particular, and grandpas and grand grandmas, how important it is that we don't allow today's circumstances to control what we do in praying and giving thanks to our children and for what they do. My grandkids are coming home next weekend and we're already planning. You know, when my kids were in the house growing up, they could never run. They couldn't do anything. My grandkids are here. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> we never had any money for our kids. We still don't, but my wife has always got money for the grandkids. Now, for you grandpas that want to get on the good side of your grandkids, I always carry a couple of bucks and put them in my pocket. My grandkids are still little. And so every time I'm with them somewhere, I always, they always know grandpa's going to give them some money. So uh, I, my youngest son, how old is David? Nine. Uh, the other day when we were together with him, I pulled out, I think I gave him each $5 or something, and he looked at Preston and he said, Papa's so rich. <laughs> I thought, well, that was good, you know, that was in hell. But one of the things that we need to be able to keep in focus is not allowing today's concerns, especially tomorrow's concerns, to cloud our days with to be able not to give thanks to the Lord. You know, I had to have an MRI an MRI on Friday. I am claustrophobic. I, I, I hate it. And, you know, somehow I think if she puts me in there, she's going to smother me. I don't know why I always think that. And so when I got there, I told that lady, I said, I'm really claustrophobic. She said, well, did she give you medicine? And I said, yeah. And she said, oh, you'll be fine. I got in there and she started closing the thing up. And I said, I'm, I can't stand this. And she did something to me. She took my hand 
and they put me in about this far. And she said, now take your right hand and your left hand and touch the ends. Can you feel that? I said, yeah. She said, that's all the further that you're in. And she patted me on the hand and she says, I want you to know I'm here for you. And see, I could have let those circumstances control me and let my mind go out of the way, but I focused on that. And I actually fell asleep during that MRI. I've never had that happen before. But if not allowing circumstance to control about worrying about tomorrow because it never turns out the way we think it's going to be. And then most of all that I would talk about in conclusion is not allowing sin to control our lives to the point that it controls our thankfulness. We can label sin anything that separates us from God, but we know that in 1 John 1, 9, that the Lord tells us that he's faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My father-in-law um, lived to be 93 years old, and I shared his testimony a number of times when I've been in this church. Loved the Lord, was with New Tribes Missions, mentored me for 13 years, any time that I would ever get discouraged, he would always read to me Psalms 150. Because Psalms 150 was his favorite a passage, and I would like to read that in closing this morning. And you know, the word praise means hallelujah. And we, we have a risen Savior whom we're so thankful for. I thank God for the opportunity that he's given me. I didn't become a believer until I was 33 years old. I have a job to do, and I know he's not done with me yet. It's just the beginning of where I'm going to go. But you know, when they tell you that Parkinson's has a 20-year uh, lifespan and uh, that I'm probably two years into it, I looked at that and thinking, you know, none of us know if we're going to have tomorrow. The two people that we had funerals for last week here in this church, they didn't know what day there was going to be. You know, Steve Jobs said every day of his life after he started uh, the business in computers would stand before a mirror every day and say, is this my last day? What would happen, folks, when we got up and had our devotions in the morning? We'd look in the mirror and say, is today our last day to serve you? And how different would that be? Um, I, I've spent some time this last week calling my kids and talking to them, and I look at each day now as being a special day. It doesn't matter that it's raining. It's the fact that God's given me another day to serve him, and I don't want to waste it. I want to continue to use him. But in Psalms chapter 150, um, Psalms 150, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his great, his excellent greatness. Praise him for the sound of the trumpet. Praise him for the loo and the harp. Praise him for the temporal and the dance. See, they have dancing in the church, so all those Baptists that I know of, we need to talk about this. <laughs> praise him for string instruments and flutes. Praise him for the loud cymbals and praise him for the clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You know, that's more than just the humans. And I want to thank you. I hope that you guys have a blessed, blessed Thanksgiving. Remember what God's purpose is in your life and be able to share it this week. And uh, one of the things that we do in our family every Thanksgiving is I read the 23rd Psalm before we eat. And we always do that as a way of thanking the Lord, so I would encourage you to do the same. Thank you. In all candor, I do not believe there's anyone in this room who hasn't allowed circumstances to control their day and maybe even much of their life. We have a propensity to do just that. Larry, thank you, brother. Thank you. To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Now you have that small yellow card. 
left in your possession, and I hope that you have put the things on it that Larry has requested. And right now, if you will, uh, we'll take just a, a moment here. If you haven't done, if you haven't filled that out, please do that quickly. Um, our two ushers, if you will just move slowly so everybody will have a chance if they haven't done it already. If you will just move slowly down the aisle, just a moment. If you will, pass your cards to the aisle here. Go ahead and do that now, if you will. Pass your card to the center aisle. These will be an ex further expressions of our praise, of our thanksgiving to our Heavenly Father. These are tokens of our gratitude and of our thanksgiving. Where do all the things that are mentioned on these cards, the people, the events, whatever we placed on there this morning, where are these things come from? To God be the glory, great things he hath done. It's number 66 in your hymnal. Please, uh, Wake Chapel is not known for having any difficulty singing, but